thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the TTE podcast. And I thought it would be good to start off the year, um, sort of recapping one of the more um, popular episodes um, of this venture uh, that I did with my brother and sister, uh, ironically, a year ago. Um, well, maybe not ironically, but um, and the episode was titled America, the shit show. So if anybody wants to go back and revisit that, they can. So this is part two of of that conversation and just really sort of taking a look back at what happened the day they stormed the Capitol and um, kind of try to digest a little bit what's happened in the last year and what we think might, might happen next. So um, with that, um, Brian, Denise, uh, good evening. How are you guys? Good. How are you guys doing? Peachy. What's going on? Fantastic. You guys seem really excited to talk about a fucking shit show. So that I mean, being what, said, what better, what better shit show to talk about? I mean, oh, well, yeah, that's probably yeah, there's probably merit to that. Um, so I guess, I, I, Denise, I'll start with you. Just we know what happened on that day, but I'm interested to get your perspective on in the last year, sort of what are your sort of macro big picture takeaways from from what's happened in the last year that were driven off of that one event. That people believe will believe whatever they want. Well, I don't want to say all people, but people with a certain kind of, shall we say belief system, um, regardless of facts, regardless of common sense, regardless of, um, just using basic logic um, and is basically what, what we saw last year. Um, my biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from it and my same argument from that day is still the same. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to say that the, the, the election was stolen and you yourself are a voted member of Congress, are you also questioning your own victory? Because that would mean that you didn't get it either. Now, wait a minute. A lot of people can't do that type of math in their head. So, I, and, you know, and I just don't understand why, because, you know, to me, it just seems like very, it's very simple. It's like two plus two equals four kind of thing. But, you know, some people think it's five. And, you know, if that's what you believe, that's, that's you. But you're going to fail at life. Yeah, it's very do as I say, not as I do. Um, but the word I keep coming back to is hypocrisy. So, you know, yes. if you're going to your point, if you're going to say that it was a fraud, but you were on the ballot. So by proxy, you are part of the fraud. So we can't accept you either. And so, you know, you can't really hit people, but his, you know, but with, that, with that sort of logic. Yes, but theirs was legit. It's just those people. Well, because they're, you know, their feelings are involved and they feel a certain type of way. So. Um, and we'll get into feelings later, I'm sure. But, uh, Brian, from your perspective, um, you know, in the last year or so, so what are your big picture takeaways here? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I guess I would kind of piggyback off Denise that in theory, um, if you were elected in the same, uh, if you, if you came to office in the same election that you claim was fraudulent, then just it seems to me it's not a far leap to say, well, how do we know that you are here legitimately, right? Mm -hmm. Like so, that's not that's not a far 
leap, I don't think. Um, but I think that um, people can't see that for some reason. It's either, you know what it is? It's a can't and won't thing, right? It's either you can't see it or you won't see it. So I think in this instance, it is a they won't see it or they don't want they don't want to kind of call out what it is, um, which, you know, big picture is not great for democracy. Um, in terms of just kind of everything that's happened since then, um, I mean, ultimately what transpired, what transpired is what should have transpired, right? So we have a president that was sworn in, a vice president that's sworn in. Um, but just, I mean, there's a lot of roads to Rome, but man, like they definitely took the scenic route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I guess my takeaway is kind of two things. One, there's a level of rational denial that runs through all of this where very smart people who are um, educated, that are, you know, critical thinkers, that can see things objectively, have rationally decided to deny what is so obvious to just about to the majority of, of people in this country. And this level of rational denial, um, because there's a level of um, fear that if you don't go with, you know, what the Supreme leader says, and that's a factor in all this too, that Trump is still out here saying that it was taken from him. And I'm willing to entertain, or at least I was the idea that, okay, there might be election fraud. I really was willing to entertain it because we have a, we have a decentralized system. So it's virtually impossible to create a conspiracy where people from Nebraska and New Hampshire and Arkansas got together and conspired to steal the election. Our elections don't work that way. They're all decentralized and executed at a local level. But I'm willing to hear you out to say there are irregularities and there might be some issues. But once you go to court 60 plus times and get denied or thrown out of court 60 plus times, I don't know what else we need to talk about because you don't have any evidence that shows that it was taken from you. So this level of rational denial that is reinforced because he's out here and won't let this go and the base loves it and, you know, all these message boards on on the Internet, keep drumming it like you guys got to stop, you know, to use a phrase from someone in our family years ago. You either got to shit or get off the pot like mm -hmm. either you got it or you don't. And then um what I would say is the second part, and I said this in the first episode, and, and, and it's only gotten worse since then, is this level of media spin that has happened in the last year, but more specifically in the last, say, 48 hours. Because any sort of about? news... I think you're just blowing things out of proportion. But isn't that what they're doing anyway? Is, well, what, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Am I blowing things out of proportion or they are? I know, I'm just, I'm, they I'm are. just being facetious. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I wanted to be clear. I'm like, oh, well, let's, let's dive into why you think. <laughs> okay. No, but this level of media spin, specifically in the last 48 hours, um, has been nothing short of awesome to see on both sides. And I don't want to both sides an issue, but um, 
you have some people that feel like, oh, my God, like it, it's, you know, it's coming down and democracies are, you know, threat level, you know, decon five or whatever. And then you got people that are just out and out denying it. And it's just like, wait a minute, like the truth is here in the middle. If we can be smart and and sort of rational about it. And I'm curious what you guys think about the spin of it all. I'm tired of the spin. Actually, um, I I purposely do not watch. Um, I don't continuously watch any particular news channel anymore. Like I used to be MSNBC all the way, and then I was CNN for a little bit. I'd check in with Fox News and or Fox Noise, as I used to call it. Um, just to get a snippet of what was going on over there and they'd start talking crazy. So then I'd like just walk away. Now it's like, I, I look for the facts and I can now, I use my own logic with when I'm reading something, it's like, does this sound far-fetched? Yeah. Am I getting my news off of Facebook? No. I think last week I told our mother, please stop reading things on Facebook because it's not real. And PSA, don't get your news yes, from Facebook. Please don't get your news from Facebook. Um, and I'm at that point now where I'm just like, I will, if I want to know something, I will go out and I will look for it myself. And I will go to those reputable sources, the the New York Times of the world, the Washington Post of the world, the Huffington Post, the, you know, I might dabble in the Daily Beast every so often because everybody's got to have a vice. But, you know, I look, I purposely look for the story versus letting something be fed to me over the television or the radio. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely in the, in the minority on that. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there are probably some folks, you know, conservative right wing bloggers that would say you only listen to liberal media. But the fact that you go and research it yourself and then make an opinion based on research and fact, you know, not everybody's doing that. But, you and know, that's the way that it, know me. it should be. I'm always. Yeah. You guys know me. I'm I'm the person who's always looking at history in any way. I'm already I'm always researching. So it's yeah, but you are like you're do. you're like in the one percent of people in this country that yes. do that. So very true. Yeah, I'm in out. So Brian, from your perspective, this this level of um, media spin because one of the things I've noticed about the media spin is if the people who got arrested and convicted, and that's still a very much an ongoing thing. Like I saw somewhere today where the FBI has something like three hundred thousand tips that they still have to vet, and that's why this is taking so long. It's interesting in the context of the arrest and the convictions from a spin perspective, because folks on the right seem to think these guys are patriots and they weren't doing anything wrong and they're just exercising their First Amendment right. And, you know, oh, there weren't that many people in there or people, you know, didn't do anything while they were there. And then you come to find out they got all this evidence that they did do all these different things. And then you have folks on the left that are like, oh, my God, we should, you know, bury them under the jail and they should go to prison for forever and this and the third and. It's a lot. So I'm curious, Brian, from your perspective in the context of spin, um, sort of what do you think about how all of this is, is covered? Uh, I hate it. I mean, I'm, we're in a position now, we're in a situation where like facts aren't facts. And 
that part because is, I'm entitled to my own. Remember? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and not to get on the whole COVID thing, but <clears throat> get on the COVID thing because no, but I'm just, I'm just I'm just using it as an example. Okay, I'm just using it as one example. So you know, because of COVID, now everybody is all we have all these epidemiologists, but ain't nobody goes to school for that. Right. There's a lot of plumbers and a lot of financial advisors and, you know, bus drivers and, you know, who name your name occupation here. But now everybody, all these people are, um, you know, they know everything. They know more about germs than, than, you know, than the epidemiologists, than the experts. Um, so that's a different discussion for a different day, but, um, just kind of the glossing over it is a little disappointing to me because we saw what happened you know you know believe me or your lying eyes like what well, like come on man like we saw it we saw it we all watched it the world literally stopped and watched and so i don't know how you sugarcoat that i don't know how you act like it didn't happen i don't know how you act as if like oh well it's just a you know just some people who are voicing an opinion like no that's not what that was mm-hmm. that's not what that was you've lived in this country long enough to know what that is or you've been alive long enough to look at how other people in other countries do that and you don't look at them or view them as oh well you know they just wanted to tell the local congressman you know vote for that tax bill like that's not how like come on come on so the papering over it uh, the papering over it or the glossing over over it it's it's disappointing um, but it is not shocking. Well, I think for me, and this idea has been sort of rattling in, in the back of my subconscious for a while, but I think this is where the media becomes lazy because the the media wants to pit it as this group versus this group because that's what drives ratings. Kind of split it down the middle, segregate, you know, separate, like divide, like get these folks of two opposing views as if those two opposing views are equal then say America's as divided as it's ever been. When really what I really think is going on here is that historically there's been a percentage of this country that has always been racist and sexist and homophobic and xenophobic and whatever, you know, bigoted term you want to use. And over time, since the found since before the founding of this country, that number is diminished over time. People become a little more self-aware. People exercise a little more grace. They understand, you know, humanity a little more. And at this point, I would probably put that number at like one out of three. I think like there's probably a third of the country that sort of feels that way and they'll always feel that way. And hopefully that number reduces more in our lifetime. But the idea that we are going to amplify that voice because it's the loudest when the majority of us don't identify with that puts them on equal playing ground. And that doesn't seem right, but the media covers it that way as if this is like legitimate. Does that make sense? And I'm probably not coherent all the way with that idea, but this is where I sort of fault them. And at the same time, um, to a lesser extent, I also blame those aspects of the Republican Party that know this is wrong 
but yet continue to perpetuate the lie because it's politically um, expedient for them. They benefit politically from this because they either don't have the courage to speak up or they're just going along with the ride because it's easier. And the combination of those two things between the way the media covers it or those three things between the way the media covers it, this subsection of the population that's amplified since 2015 when Trump announced he was going to run for president and these Republicans that won't stand up for, you know, sort of a principled American tradition kind of comes together to create a larger sort of false narrative that's becoming harder and harder to overcome. And I'm saying this as someone who's a an independent who's not affiliated with a political party, because I think for the most part, Democrats are pretty weak for me, but Republicans have nothing to offer me as a black man. So I'm kind of in a no man's land here, but um, I'm just curious what you guys. Good Democrats are like shooting stars. (laughs) On principle, I agree, but show me the practical way in which it gets done. Like that's kind of where I'm at, but that's a whole, we'll talk about that in another, in another episode, but I'm curious if you feel like what I've described from a media perspective, am I am I missing something or is that spot on? Do you think people feel that way or is there something that I'm missing? Go ahead, Denise. Um, Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I don't <laughs> think you're um, wrong. I do, I, what I think is that... Um, Hmm. How do I want to how do I want to put this? Everyone is so on to each other's side, or sorry, everyone's on their extremes that there is there almost isn't an extreme to go to, or the extreme keeps expanding, and then the media comes in and they run with it, whether it is a molehill or an anthill. Yeah, they amplify, they amplify the extreme. It. They amplify the extreme when it could be something, you know, like Brian said, like with the cold COVID thing, you know, you've got people who refuse to wear their masks and, you know, they're saying it's because it's their religious, they're religiously exempt or whatever else. And the right wings take that and go, well, we're protecting our rights. But then, you know, the liberal folks are over here like, but what about the rest of us? And we're, no matter which way you turn, whether it's conservative media or liberal media, everybody is more concerned about getting their message out to their people and not about actually helping each other understand how to get through this, in this by, I mean, COVID, but in reality, as a whole, as a country, for us to you know, what is it, what was it that you used to hear as kids? Can't we all just get along? Like, that's uh, no longer there. Well, you'd have to be a child of the 90s to know that, right? Yes. <clears throat> as I dated myself, thank you. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, 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 we yeah, we, we, <laughs> right. We, we, we kind of do that for time to time. But I think that sort of, I hold no hope anymore for that sort of Pollyannish view that we can reach consensus through bipartisanship. I, I think it's so polarized now that you're kind of forced into one corner or the other, unless you're going to be principled. And so, unless I guess for Joe me, 
No, no, no. He's listen. That guy's doing what he feels he needs to do relative to his state. He there's certain things he can't sell in West Virginia. So I'm not going to beat that guy up too, too much. I don't agree with a lot of the things, but, you know, for the people of West Virginia, you know, he can't really sell that. But yeah, 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 I I get that. But I I don't know. I, I just think at the end of the day, the solution's never in the extreme. Either side. The solution's never in the extreme, but the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So as long as people who are loud on both sides keep screaming at the top of their lungs, that's what the media is going to cover. And that's, you know, sort of unfortunate. But but Tubbs, I'm curious what what your thought is on or what you think about what I described about sort of the media and, you know, one third of the country and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that's the disappointing thing, because like I said, going back to, you know, facts used to be facts, and they're not really disputable, but everybody's wearing their jersey, everybody wants to be rah-rah on one side or the other, and the more we get away from um, just, just being able to report news, right? So... A lot of times people just want the the bare bones, what happened, where did it happen, um, those type of things, and they're just not getting it. And so because they're not getting it, we're going back to this whole red-blue type thing, and it's just annoying, it's frustrating. Uh, as I don't, Denise, you talked about um, your consumption of news, and I used to be somebody who would look at both, whether it be... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, whether it was, you know, Fox or MSNBC or CNN. Um, but it's just so hard to do. And mm-hmm. so distinguishing, um, I mean, I think we're, we're older. So I think we are, we can do a little bit better about distinguishing facts from spin. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you watch any one of these news networks, it's just, um, a lot of people that spin and Mm -hmm. I get that, you know, you feel a certain way or your side quote unquote feels a certain way, but just, I don't know how you spin January 6th as something other than people trying to take over the Capitol. Like we all watched it. Well, it's funny you say that. So there's a poll that came out and I can't remember who ran the poll. So forgive me, but, um, they asked this very basic question. Did you view January 6th as these were people protesting um, a legitimate election? Or did you view this as people who were protesting a illegitimate election? And I think it was something like, you know, 53% of people overall said these were people that were protesting a legitimate election and something like 25% of the people said well, these are people who are protesting an illegitimate election. But then when you broke it down by party, Democrats believe that they're protesting a legitimate election, something like 88 to 12, 88% to 12 compared to Republicans. But then when you ask Republicans that question, it was almost the inverse of it. So it really sort of depends on sort of the echo chamber by which you live in. And so, you know, I wanted to talk to well, you guys well, that, because well, that, we don't live in an echo chamber. 
Well, that's the thing about it is that you know, you know, it's been said numerous times before, but people are looking for affirmation; they're not looking for information. So, mm-hmm. if you believe that those were people who were exercising their constitutional right to, you know, voice their opinion on a fraudulent election, then yeah, then Fox is going to be the one for you. Now, the networks themselves own, you know, they own a lot of this too, because you know what you're putting out there. You know what you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. But again, they're just feeding, they're just feeding the appetite for affirmation. Um, because if we're just fat, if we're just doing facts, just straight facts, then you can't, there's no defense for that. There's no defense for that. And we might talk about this a little bit more, but, um, and I haven't been following it as closely as probably I should. Um, but you know, the January 6th commission, right? So their job is fact fighting. Their job is to get to the bottom of it. Um, do I think that there may be some grandstanding and some spin? And we've talked about grandstanding before. I am no, I am no fan of anyone who's grandstanding. Um, however, but the focus of that commission is to get to the bottom of it. That's what I want. That's what people need. Um, will it get a fair shake on left or right? I don't know. We'll see. I hope it does. But I'm not holding out hope because certainly... Um, you know, the old news line is if it bleeds, it leads. Well, you know, certainly there was, you know, people are going to amplify whatever they think is going to get the, the most ratings or clickbait. And, you know, that's kind of what people are doing. Well, I was going to ask, you know, what you guys thought of that committee and sort of the makeup of it and, um, whether or not you think they'll be effective, like Denise, I'm curious, like to me, it was almost like you kind of have to do it. But the fact that, you know, you say you want it bipartisan, but only two people signed up. And those are the people that were sort of adamant about, hey, you know, this wasn't right from the beginning. Um, well, and no one else. Though, but they, but they of, had the opportunity. They had the opportunity to put other people on there. And then, you know, you well, know. Oh, go ahead, not, not even that. I mean, yeah, okay, so you have Liz Cheney over there when well, we already know that that what that the other half don't like her anyway. But then you have Adam Kinzinger who goes on there because he says he wants to find the truth, but then at the same time announces that he's not gonna run for re-election. So why are you really there? You're not gonna stay. Well, here. I think those are, gonna, those are those you know, are to me, those are two very and those two things are not mutually exclusive. To, to, me, like, to, to me, it looked like, okay, okay, you want, I understand his logic. I understand why he wants to get down to the bottom of things and, and all of that. But I also, but at the same time, it's like, you're not going to run for reelection. And I understand you're not going to, because right now you're probably in an area that you probably know you can't win anymore because of, because you decided to be on the January 6th commission. But at the same time, it's like, it almost hold on, hold on. Hold on. This is this is this is who Kinsinger or this yeah. is Cheney. Kinsinger. But Kinsinger Denise, I guess. Gerryman- well, first of all, Kinsinger got gerrymandered out of his own out of his own state, so he wasn't going to have a seat anyway. Oh, but well, Denise, I think the other thing too is whether you plan to run for re-election or not is irrelevant. Certain things are bigger than a congressman getting re-elected, and I feel like this is one of those things where you're you know you got to put. You know, if you really believe in the idea of America, then you got to go find out what happened. And your reelection 
be damned. Like to me, like those two things don't aren't necessarily um, mutually yeah, exclusive. I, I mean, there's there's not a lot of. Pro- I mean, listen, what what the past five years have shown us. Put it September or not September. Wow, getting all of them mixed up together. Um, put January six aside. Um, there's not a lot of profiles and courage over the past five years on either side. That's in fair. In terms of, in terms of standing up for what is right, right. So if you look at the R's, the Republicans, they are. Um, I will certainly give them. When they move, they move, right. So it doesn't matter if everybody agrees or disagrees. They all move, but they all move and in one direction, right? Uh, Democrats don't move like that, but when either side has the power, um, there's not a lot of dissension or enough dissension that's really going to change anything because people are oftentimes are going with the flow. And so people give Manchin a lot of crap, but I mean, certainly he say what you want, but the man stands for what he believes in. We can, that's another podcast for another time. But, you know, there's not a lot of, to me, there's just not, there's not a lot of profiles and courage on either side. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. But again, I think it goes back to the polarization that we talked about in the extremes in the sense of, you know, you're, it's very tribal sort of that way. I guess my hope for the committee is that, you know, as they find these things, at some point they start releasing it to the public because it's coming out as a trickle. So, you know, you find out so-and-so was texting so-and-so during that day, but then that person that was doing the texting isn't going to cooperate with the committee yeah, and I mean, you've got like one contempt thing, of Congress thing, and all of this. Yeah, like one thing begets another thing begets another thing. Really, to me, in, in, until you start getting higher up the chain there, like this is just... I don't want to say conjecture, but it's just, you know, this doesn't interest me. And I don't know that um, unless you're going to get big level people to cooperate, um, you know, people, i.e. at the top. um, I just don't I don't know where this goes. I hope that they get to the bottom of it and they put some teeth behind whatever they're going to do. But at the same time, I'm not overly optimistic. I mean, there you know, they remember when there was a time when the when the craziest thing that happened is Watergate. And it's no, because I wasn't born then. No, but I mean, like when we're sitting there, like in our history classes, and we sit there, like we learn about like what we lived through and everything. It's like, okay, nothing got as bad as Watergate. That was as bad as it got. And then, then twenty fifteen rolls around, and we got. All of Trumpisms, we've got that, uh, was it the Russia probe, the emails. Before you know, it just seemed like there was one thing after another, after another, after another, that was on this par of that could topple over democracy. There was a point where we didn't think we could get any worse than Watergate. And now it's things like, this is worse than Watergate. It could this yeah, topple well then, us? Yeah, but, but, well then, but, but, but the difference be enough to topple us all. But, but but here's the thing. But the difference what Watergate was was at the end of the day, though. After after all the dust cleared, in i.e. in terms of all the information was out there, even his own party was like, 
Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, like, yeah, the facts this, are overwhelming this, here, bro. The facts are overwhelming. Like, hey, man, you got to, you got but that, to go. but, and there, and there's, but, but, and but, there's but, the point. The party is so ingrained with the corruption that they don't even, they, nobody even wants to acknowledge that it was wrong. Well, Denise, I think it's that. And then if you bring that up, they'll say, well, the other side's hands aren't clean. Yes, their hands aren't clean. But no, at the not. same time, this your guy commit, committed, you know, the ultimate sin here, however, whatever adjective you want to use. And we don't have to use Brian's term. We don't have any profiles and courage, save for two that are really going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to you know, it's really about what happened and the facts are what they are. Like one of the things about the committee that I'm interested in is there's rumors of them when they start releasing things to the public, they're going to do it in prime time. Well, they've got Sean Hannity's text messages and Laura Ingram's text Mm -hmm. text messages. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, they subpoena them and want them to come to testify whether or not those guys would take the opportunity to forego their normal time slots to go and to use a term Brian just said, because he's full of terms tonight, grandstand in front of the committee and say, well, this didn't happen that way. And this and the third. It's like, OK, back to my earlier point. If it didn't happen the way you said it happened, then why did you text so and so and say, hey, we got to knock this off or, mm-hmm. you know, for all you conspiracy theorists out there, was there really a plot to overthrow the government to me? That's a bit of a stretch to me. I'm not willing to go there unless you can show me some proof. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't be kind of pregnant either, either, either. You know what I mean? Like either there was a plot or there wasn't a plot. But well, I Denise, think like you said like, to your thing, not to cut you off, Dennis, but like, you know, like they said in Watergate, like, you know, uh, what did you know? What did he know? When did he know it? Right. Mm-hmm. So you're not I say you're in terms of like the government but your evidence should show you know what people knew and when they knew it and then from there you know we'll see what's up so let's ask this question do you think the committee ever reaches a point where they release all the evidence and the evidence is so overwhelming that some portion of conservatives will go okay these are all fact-based things that you can back up with evidence. Do you think people will accept it? I'm not talking about Democrats because they're slam dunk going to accept anything mm-hmm. that's got Trump's name tied to it. I'm not talking about independents because most of the independent people that I've had conversations with are pretty rational people who are objective and critical thinkers. I'm talking about people who bleed Republican to the day they die, the kind of people that vote up and down the ticket, regardless of who's on the ticket. Do you think a decent percentage of those people will say, you know what? I can't go for this bullshit anymore. Do you think that's realistic in any way, assuming the committee releases all the evidence and the evidence is that damning? In its current climate? No. No. I mean, Bar- I mean, come on. I've, it is a, it's like I that told says you, a lot. you both. It's like I told you guys both the other day. Person I got on the phone call the other day asked me, told me that he'd have more money if he had if we accepted Confederate bonds. That's the kind of people we got out there. <laughs> a currency that pe- a, a currency yeah. that hasn't existed in a hundred and some odd years is what we should be taking today. 
Yep. He's like, I would be a millionaire if you guys would take Confederate bonds. That's the logic that we're dealing with. Man, you see, I have so many questions. <laughs> I, have, I, I, I have so many questions. Like, so how many of these Confederate bonds do you have and where did you get them from? I wasn't even going to entertain it because there was no point. But it was just like, it's that kind of thinking, that kind of thinking, adding in the polarization of the media that tells me that even if you were to release all of the information, even with pictures of Trump holding a knife, a, a bloody knife in the middle of an arena, they're not going to believe it. What he told you, as I digress for a moment. Listen, as I digress for a minute, what he just told you was the plot of an old Van da- um, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I believe it's Time Cop. <laughs> Where they use a time machine to go back. This guy uses a time machine to go back in time and rob Confederate soldiers of gold, then brings it back current day and like sells it on the black market for like a huge profit. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like he just described like a time cop. Like, like that's how batshit crazy you sound when you when you say that, because that's not a far leap from that's not far from. Oh, this country would be better if we had free labor. Yeah, like like you're not you're one step from that if you're talking about Confederate bonds. But but to your point, to your larger point, there is a subset of the population that believes in that type of thing. And I agree. I I sincerely hope that excuse me, I sincerely hope that once it's all out there, assuming it all gets out there, no spin, no conjecture, no bullshit. It's just facts. That people will wake up and kind of break this fever dream, enough people to be able to say, hey, like, because one of the things that's sort of happening is people are saying, you know what, you know, storming the Capitol wasn't the right idea. But what we can do is take over our local school board. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's sort of the thing that's not really getting talked about too, too much. Like, oh. I'm uncomfortable because this book mentions something that I don't think is appropriate for my child. So we're going to ban a book that's been publicly available in schools for forever. And don't get me wrong. I think we should reexamine everything because times change. But at some point, it's like just because it's sensitive to you doesn't mean it should be blacklisted for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll say something that's probably radically, um, I don't want to say, well, it is probably radical thinking. But the your point of them going, okay, well, we didn't succeed here on January 6th, so we'll just go after our school boards. That is, that's a Hitler move. And now, see, be careful with statements like I, that. I know, I, and that's why, and that's why I pref- that's why I preface it first. It is a Hitler move because he yeah, tried. You got to be, tried, you got to be careful with that because now you start feeding into the, you know, I know, but left wing echo it. chamber about where we're on our way to fascism and this, that, and the yes, third. and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. All I'm looking at it is from a perspective of no, 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 no. Stop right there. Yeah. You can't say I'm not trying to say that after not, you said it. Well, what, what you I'm can't saying, do that. No, I mean, that's what like saying, you know, Hitler. Once you throw Hitler on the table, you went there. You can't say that. What what I am saying is that the logic in how they went from, okay, I'm going to be here at the Capitol to, okay, that didn't work, so I'm going to try another angle. That's what I'm talking about. I get it. I'm not disagreeing with you. But I'm just saying, once you throw that poker chip, (laughs) 
in. Oh yes, I like mean, you committed well, to the. You, you say, you, yeah, anytime you throw Hitler on the table, that's all people are going to hear. Uh, yes. and, you're not, and then after that, nobody pays attention to what you're trying to say. Right. Exactly. But I, I get that. Yeah, but well, I guess for you, know, you as a historian, use other examples besides Hitler, because people will take the Hitler thing and run with it and say you're overreacting. But there's probably five other instances in this country where, or not in this country, but in other countries across the world where something similar happened. But yeah, so to me, that's fine. where Those people have to be a little smarter about how they construct their argument, because everybody wants to go to Hitler mm-hmm. first. And it's like, hey, come on, guys. Like, so that's in, kind of yeah. that's kind of lazy intellectual thinking yeah. here. Like, if if you're going to go there, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure this happened in ancient Rome at some point, too. You know what I mean? Like, like getting your bag a little bit is what I'm saying. But, Tubbs, you were saying something. I can do that. (laughs) Uh, No, I was just going to make a joke about how somebody's like, you know, I mean, no disrespect, but, and then usually what happens after the but is the disrespect. (laughs) So, I'm not racist, but. You know, like I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I ain't trying to be hating or anything. I ain't trying to be disrespectful, but your pasta salad's trash. I have like, a black you know friend. I mean? like, <laughs> uh, oh wow, um, that was great on Twitter last week. Reading about that, that lady. yeah that that was uh, that was interesting, and certainly a, a plug for your pod. Certainly, um, we in a previous pod we did discuss critical race theory. If anybody is interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah but if you want to go back and listen to that discussion, and real quick for the people that don't know or what they're referencing about the woman from last week, there was a Rhode Island um, <laughs> legislate member of the legislature, um, a woman, I don't remember what her name was, but she, she basically put on Twitter that um, she had a black friend and that her black friend is no longer her black friend. Um, and she thinks that critical race theory has something to do with the fact that they're not friends anymore. And Twitter is not the place to make that statement (laughs) in a public forum Um, because so many people, and I want to be clear, not all of these people were black, made it a point to emphasize that probably the reason why that woman is no longer your friend is because, A, you you sponsored CRT legislation banning certain things. And B, that black woman is probably exhausted from tolerating your um, latent low-grade racism that you don't even realize is racist. But you can go look that up on your own. We don't need to recap that here, but I just want to give people, you know, that that sort of context. So let me ask you guys this. When it comes to the committee and sort of projecting forward for the next, say, six months, um, what do you – what do you want to see happen versus what do you think will happen relative to them continuing their research, them starting to release this information? And then what do you think um, DOJ department of justice is going to do with all of that information? What do you want to see happen versus what do you think will happen? Hmm. Well, I will say what I would want to happen in a perfect world is, as cliche as it sounds, I would like for you to follow the evidence wherever it leads, no matter how high it goes. Um, I would like, uh, I can't remember the anchor's name, but every time she talks to somebody and somebody, well, I talk to somebody and they're like, no, name names, name names. So, uh, name names, 
And um, I don't... Here, the tricky thing is that I could sit here and tell you, yes, I want them to be prosecuted or however this goes, because I don't know that there is a... Outside of a criminal trespassing of the Capitol grounds, I don't know if there is an actual charge, per se, that you can charge anybody with, maybe some conspiracy to... I don't know what you do, but my concern is, and I guess this is also the latter part, is that my perception of this is that there's one hand on it where you're saying, we got to get these people. The other one, because this is politics, is what's going to happen when we're not in power? And so when... When you look at it from that line of thinking, if you flip it and the Republicans have the power, maybe it's not January 6th, it's going to be something. But they're going to be, there's going to be commissions, they're going to be dragging people in front of Congress, and they're going to be subpoenas and this, that, and the third, you know, the whole nine. And this thing is just going to be a tit for tat and it's never going to stop. I would hope that it would be that they find. Whatever they find, they prosecute, they do whatever, and you would think in a perfect world that would be a deterrent for not doing it. But I. Think but isn't that cat out of the bag? I mean, aren't yeah, we yeah, beyond yeah, yeah, no, the idea no, yeah. that we're never going to be tit for tat? Like with, the, the yeah, level but, of pettiness but, between these two groups is just it's so you know. petty. But but the, but that's my but that's my point. Democrats have the ball, so that's what they're going to do now. But when Republicans get the ball, they're just going to do the same thing. And so I my concern is that lost in all of that is going to be what the hell actually happened. Yeah, good point. Denise, what do you think? You know, what do you want to see what do you want to see happen versus what do you think will happen? Well first I want them to call me when they get past all of the um the red tape because right now everything that they're going to everything that they're subpoenaing, everything that they're talking about, nobody everybody's putting up the wall. So call me when when we get past the the um the courts. You know, that's the first thing, because all of this is just conjecture as far as I'm concerned. Um, Once we get past that and we have people beginning to actually testify. um, I don't hate to I hate to be cynical, but I don't expect a whole lot. Um, It's kind of like the question you asked earlier, you know, does it matter what you know, even what comes out? Is it going to matter? I'm so disenfranchised with the way that everything is so polarized and because everybody's on their own in their own corners that I almost feel like there's no that we're not going to have a conclusion because no matter what that conclusion is, nobody is going to accept it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think for me, what I want to happen is what Brian said, part of it. I want you to follow the the evidence and the facts wherever it leads. I want it all to come out in the public. I want people to have to answer for the spin that they try to give against the evidence that um, that is presented. So if you say you didn't do something, but there's evidence that you did, I need you to explain yourself there. That's sort of what I want to happen. And I also want people who are either skeptical of you know, this is just a witch hunt and this, that, and the third and blah, blah, blah. I want those people, you know, who aren't willing to accept any of this to look at the facts and be like, okay, 
Like, we got to start holding some people accountable. Like, that's what I want. But what I think is going to happen is it's going to come out and there are going to be people who are just going to say that I don't accept it. Um, I, 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 I don't accept it because it would change how they it would change their it would fundamentally change their reality. And I'm more concerned about we're reaching a point in this country where how you feel about something is more important than what actually happened. So it's one of those things where by that logic, it's, well, I didn't mean to kill that person. It was an accident. But and because it's an accident and I'm genuinely remorseful that I shouldn't be held accountable for that. And that's basically the argument that the police officer in Minnesota had the other day where she accidentally shot that um, shot that man because she reached for her. She reached for what she thought was her taser. And instead, she reached for her gun and she shot that guy. And she acknowledged that she shot him. She acknowledged that it was an accident. And she was genuinely remorseful, at least everything that I read and saw. But her argument is, well, I shouldn't go to prison because it was an accident. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't operate in that world because you it was an accident and you feel a certain type of way that you shouldn't be held accountable. And for me, that's what's concerning in the in the big picture for me is people's feelings are getting ahead of what's factual and what we should be doing in terms of um holding people accountable. And then one more thing I just want to ask you guys before we uh, wrap up here is, and Brian, I'll start with you. How do you think all of this, you know, big picture, small picture, macro, micro, how do you think all of this impacts um, midterm, this, these midterm elections that are coming up in November? Like, how, cause that's sort of the backdrop to all of this, that this is all going to get dumped in the spring and summer. And then this is going to be going back to the spin part. People are, political parties are going to spin this to their advantage one way or the other. And I know it's coming and I know we don't have to recap that because none of us like it, but I'm curious, how do you think what happened last year and everything that's happened up to today, how do you think that is going to impact these upcoming elections in November? Well, I guess before I answer that, um, one, uh, are we going to do a um, like a, a, a election night special? We're going to do it live. Well, that depends. Since, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm done. I was going to say, since you say, are so apparently an associate producer of this podcast, um, <laughs> there is a real no. possibility we could do a live version of our reaction to. Um, midterm election results but we can table well, that and, for and for and, uh, and i guess offline. to kind of answer and i guess to to kind of answer your question in terms of how we could project and how it could affect future things i'll kind of double back to what you previously talked about with the lady from minnesota i think also we live in an era where those things weren't prosecuted and those things and, and officers were not held to account and they certainly weren't going to prison for them. So we're in an era in which it's a new found level of accountability, right? So 
it certainly, obviously, if you do something at your job, which is a fatal error of some sort, not just killing somebody, but in general, there are repercussions for fucking up at your job, mm-hmm. right? In general. Last I checked, capitalism so, always wins. So, yes. not Like I said, people are not killing people in their job like this officer did. But generally speaking, there are repercussions if you fuck up at your job. So um, how I would spin that forward to answer your question um, in terms of accountability, I think if they hold true to form that they're going to go wherever the facts lead them, they're going to prosecute people, they're going to put it in prime time, they're going to lay the facts bare and everybody sees it. I think there is certainly a segment of the population that says, okay, you guys did what you're supposed to do. We appreciate this. Um, and then certainly with that information, um, people can go to the polls and be maybe a little bit more informed. So, you know, if the congressman that you voted for left the back door open for these people to, you know, storm the Capitol, maybe that will affect whether you vote for them or not. I don't know. It's possible. Um, but I also think it could backfire because it is banging the drum of Trump is bad, Trump is evil, his people are evil, like that whole thing. And I think in a, not in a weird sort of way, but I think in, in some sort of way, people are tired of that. Mm-hmm. And they just, when, when Trump. That lost, is exhausting. You, you are correct. Yeah, so, so when Trump, and I'm using air quotes here, lost, um, you know. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I know, same, I know. Same, you can't know. throw that on the table and then take it back. Like Denise, you no, can't do no, that. No, you can't wait, now, wait, just, when you say no. lost, if he got I no evidence air, that, he, that he actually quote. won. I can use air quotes. It's a pod. Nobody sees it. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm going to remember that. (laughs) But think of the collective sigh. Whether you voted, whether you voted for Trump or whether you voted for Biden, like there was a collective sigh that a it's over. The election season is over. Sands, Georgia, all the heavy lifting. It is over. Okay, and then two, there was even more of a collective side for people who voted for Biden. By <sighs> okay, two more months of this dude, and that's it, right? So people were tired and they were exhausted of this whole political process. And I'm I I'm weary of how it will affect. Um, the midterms, because I do think that there's a lot of political fatigue in general, not to mention the historical trend that typically the party that's in power loses seats. Um, I don't know that it's going to have a whole lot of effect in terms of keeping Democrats in office. It might be just one of those things like, yeah, well, you guys had the hammer, you had the ball, so you did what you're going to do. You did your exercise. We found who did it. You know, we found, you know, that's great. Okay. So uh, I think they're probably going to have to speed it up because certainly if they lose these seats, they're not going to be able to do this a year from now. Hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. So they're gonna have Denise to, would- yeah, so they're going to have to speed it up if they really want to, you know, do their thing, I guess. Yeah, and that's the, the catch-22. You go too fast and you might miss something. And then it becomes a bit of a witch hunt. So it's like... 
you know, you got to take your time and be deliberate about it. And the calendar is what it is. So, you know, you should work with some urgency, but, you know, be quick, but don't hurry, that type of thing. So, but yeah. Denise, what do you think, how do you think this impacts um, um, these midterm elections here in November? I think it'll be very similar to what Brian just described. Um, we are in a situation where we are both politically uh, spent and we are COVID spent. And I think that <laughs> um, just like with people out there in the world who are still walking around with no masks because they just want to get back to normal, um, that they are going to make their decisions based off of um, where they've been, where they have been, and how they were feeling at that particular time. And I don't think we're going to be any better off than we are right now. I kind of agree with that. I think it's just going to be weaponized and all of that to the point where it's just going to be more spin and more louder echo chambers. And it's just going to be harder and harder to get to like some level of objective truth because the spin is just so massive and the incentive for the spin is so great on both sides that all you can really do is kind of do your own research like you do, Denise. And read as much as you can and, you know, try to make an informed opinion. I, I feel like I need a t-shirt that says logic over feelings. So, um, <laughs> if any of my industrious friends are out there, let me know, let's partner together on a, on a shirt logic over feelings. But, um, with that being said, I would be remiss as, as we wrap up here, if I didn't ask you guys, um, two real quick questions. Number one, um, because you're both Steelers fans, how do you feel about um, Ben in his last home game and the end of his career? And what do you got? How do you guys feel about that since I've got you here? And this just happened, uh, what's today, Wednesday? So this just happened two nights ago. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the quarterback that has brought you so much joy and some grief towards the end. So um, the floor is open. How do you guys feel about Ben and his career and, and, and what, where, where does, where do the Steelers go next? I'll Brian, defer to you for, oh, you, I was going to say, you're the, you're the, you're the one who's been the fan longer. So <laughs> uh, it's time. Um, the thing about it is, is that it's a delicate balance to know when it's time. And I think he's overstayed his welcome. That's not to say that he's not a great quarterback. That's not to say that um, he's not going to have a gold jacket in five years. I think he 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 just overstayed his welcome. Now, I think he also overstayed his welcome because there was no succession plan. Yes. So since there is no succession plan, well, y'all ain't got no plans, and I ain't got no plans, so... <laughs> Let's just go ahead and make this thing work. Let's shake this thing on out. Um, I think they probably either go big game hunting in terms of trying to get Rodgers or uh, Jimmy G or uh, Derek Carr. Um, Tomlin doesn't seem like the type of guy who wants to go the rookie quarterback route. Like He'll do it if he has to, but he's not interested in really doing that. He doesn't come across as... As that, and plus the other thing too, is that they got a lot of guys on their defense that are playing on cheap deals or rookie deals, so they're going to have to start paying those guys here soon. So, um, so that window is um, is going to close 
And again, windows in general in the, in sports, whether it be basketball, football, those windows close uh, really quick, and they often close. You realize it a year after it closed. So, um, so yeah. So we'll we'll see what they do. I am. Uh, That's why you have to respect guys like Belichick and Andy Reid, who will cut a guy a year too early versus hanging on to him a year too late. And well, Denise, before and, I turn this over to you, go ahead, Brian. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and real quick, there, there's a lot of sports fans out there who have a wide range of teams. There is probably not a lot of teams or franchises where you, generally speaking, will say, you know what? I trust their judgment. I trust what they're doing. I'll defer to them, right? And I feel like over time, over the course of their history, more often than not, they the Steelers have made the prudent move. Ben aside you can kind of trust their judgment in terms of their draft and what they do. So I will, for now, I will, obviously I don't have a say in it, but I'll trust whatever their process is. Two things about that real quick. And Denise, I'm going to ask you the same question about, you know, your feelings on Ben. One, I would agree with that, Brian, in the context of their head, excuse me, of their head coaches. Since 1969, it's been Chuck Noll, Cowher, and Tomlin. Everything else, I think, is you know sort of up for debate. And then, secondly, you mentioned not having a succession plan. Now, going back to dating yourself, if you remember when the movie Armageddon came out, right around the same time, there was another movie that came out about an asteroid hitting the Earth called Deep Impact. <laughs> and I was mad because we finally on the movie screen got a black president only for him to die. Like, like oh, the world's got to end when we get a black president. But that's another story for another day. I say that to say what you just described with Ben and them being he's a year too long is the same thing I experienced as a Giants fan with Eli. Like it was clear, like once we got to like 2017, it's over, bro. Like it's it's over. But he stayed a year too long, but he eventually got his send off and he and he walked off and he only played with one team just like Ben and this and the third. So I hope they kind of go in the Hall of Fame together. That would be nice, um, especially with, with Rivers. That would be nice if they all kind of went in together. But that's another story for another day. But I just thought I'd mention um, when you said that, it was like, no, I know what that's like when kind of two things mirror each other and they kind of happen around the same time. What's so your point? Your What's your on, point? Oh, this, is, this is what the end looks like. Yeah, exactly. And the end's never pretty. It, it, it's it's just not it's just not pretty. Um, so, but Denise, what are your feelings on Ben? Um, you know, when I first became a Steelers fan, um, I did not pay any attention to Ben. Ben was not about uh, Ben was not in my orbit um, because that for me it was 2005. They went to the Super Bowl, and I was all about Jerome Bettis. So, as far as I was concerned, Ben Roethlisberger is the guy who saved us in the AFC Championship game. Like that's as far as I knew. As I've gone forward, <laughs> I have come to love and hate men. Like Brian said, you know, towards the end, it was like, all right, I think we've overstayed our welcome. Um, I'll admit that he probably should have gone last year, arguably even maybe the year before. But I am, I do like the fact that I appreciate the fact that he was with us for 18 years. There was no real drama, so to speak, of, you know, at least towards the end, whether or not he'd play or not play, but like he would play through through injuries and he'd give it his all. And that's all I can ask for in, in a leader on a team. And he, when I think about who's going to come after him, 
Mason Rudolph is not the answer. And I can um, say that objectively. We went and saw him play. <laughs> he is a shit quarterback. Sorry. <laughs> we sat right there in the end zone and watched that guy miss wide open receiver after wide open receiver. And the bad part was the team they were playing was starting a backup quarterback, and that game was way closer than it had to be. I agree yeah. with you a thousand percent. He he is not our answer. Um, Dwayne Haskins is not our answer. Um, anybody who's checking their phone on the sideline during a live game is not somebody I want behind uh, behind center. But that's just you know whatever for whatever reason. Um, but no, it's sad to see him go. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see whoever we get. I was I was on the team Aaron Rodgers to this. I kind of softened that stance. Um, but that's just because we have differing opinions on COVID. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if well, I want to sign up for that. Well, but well it, go ahead. Denise, to each his own. Me. Yeah, to each his own. So uh, I'd be fine with somebody like Derek Carr. I'd be fine with um, Jimmy G. Um, but yeah, I'm with Brian. Wow, Hill. Jimmy G. You'd be cool with Jimmy G? I'll take Jimmy G over Mason Rudolph. If that's sure those those are my options. Are those my options? Because if those are my options, I'm going to go with Jimmy G. Well, I, you know, and also too, uh, and then we can put a bow on this question. But Ben Roethlisberger also, um, and <laughs> um, how do I put this? Ben Roethlisberger shows you that there that there is no such thing as being canceled. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. You can't be canceled if your value supersedes the controversy that you create. Because yeah, I mean, he was out here showing it. But he was out holding this. He was out here showing he was out here showing his dick in, in in bathroom bars on college campuses. But no one talks about that. But the other day someone mentioned that the last dog that Michael Vick abused died. And it was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are y'all talking about this dog? But we don't talk about any of these victims of sexual assault. There seems but, to be a bit of a but that's false a, but equivalent that's what, here. But thank you, Tub. Say it. Say it. That's all I don't still, have to say. He's still known in the streets, in some streets, as Rapeless Burger. I, I'll, you know. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. But but my bigger point is going back to a previous pod about cancel culture. You know, check the history. Um, that truly, when it comes to being canceled. Like you said, Dennis, his talent and what he meant to that organization in terms of on-field production and their potential to compete for championships superseded what was off the field. And listen, and that's not that's not exclusive to him because Lord knows the NFL has more than enough examples of people whose talent um, exceeded what craziness they had off the field. Because I mean, the Ray Rice killed the guy. Wait, what? No, that's, <laughs> no, what? no, you can't. Hit. Come on now, we got to get our facts straight here. That's Ray that, Rice did that, not kill a guy. No, he did not. But I love it when people. I love it when people say it. You can lead it. You saw me. Wait, what? It was Ray Lewis, and he was an accessory to murder. That is not. Or we no, he was tried. He, he, as I would say, get it, get it right. Ray, yeah, Ray he was Rice tried as an accessory to murder. Ray Rice did not kill anybody. He abused. Although his you wife. could argue that he tried, but he didn't. Which you could argue that he tried. But what I'm saying is, and, and, and I don't mean to, you know, laugh and joke about those serious subjects. But that's my point: is that yes. certainly, uh, the, as long as the talent supersedes, you know, the headache, then you know. So, so I say I like to put a bow on your on your first question. Yeah, five words. Lawrence Taylor and apple juice. Google that. 
And if you have questions about what that means, email the pod. I'll tell you offline. And then the last thing I want to ask. What? Yeah, you did. You did see the uh, LTD get picked up last uh, last month, right? What do you mean Next he got picked up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We know about that. But he's had <laughs> okay. a history of he's had a history of picking up streetwalkers. That's another story for another day. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I want to ask you guys about because I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. You guys, the floor is yours. Put a bow on Antonio Brown and what you saw on Sunday. And for context, okay. for those that don't know. Antonio Brown was a former receiver for the Steelers, now playing for Tampa Bay, refused to go back in the game. There were some questions about it. So he literally took off his pads and went shirtless and walked off the field doing jumping jacks in the end zone while his team was on the field and basically quit on the spot in the middle of an NFL game. So with that, because you guys have a history with A.B., the floor is yours. Your thoughts on A.B.? Brian, you got the jersey, not me. A jersey that I can't wear. Um, so <laughs> you have a history of that. Yeah, I have a lot of history. I have a lot. Of, I have a history with a lot of jerseys I can't wear. Um, it, first of all, Mike Tomlin is a saint for having to deal with that for nine years, which goes back to my previous comment, which is again, as long as the talent exceeds the headache, you will always put up with the talent until the headache becomes more than the talent. Um, so at this instance, I, I mean, it, we can, you know, everyone can kind of laugh and joke about there being some sort of mental illness or there's something wrong up there, but truth be told, we don't know. There are a lot of times, I bet you anybody who's listening within the sound of my voice has had a day at their job where they wanted to quit in the same fashion as Antonio Brown. I've seen now, it. Now, I've, I know I've seen it. people go yes. out that way. Yeah. I've so, done it. Yeah. So On my current it. job, I've seen people do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so everybody in theory wants to quit that way, but truth be told, um, people don't do it for a wide range of regions. So, um, do I think that he has, um, I think he's probably played his last down, um, unless, um, someone thinks that that talent is, um, supersedes the headache i don't think it does at this point i think this is probably his last chance um but hey i mean you know go out in the blaze of glory i suppose um stay off the drugs man i mean like i don't know what that was i don't know um I wasn't watching the game when it happened. I was doing something else. So I missed the live shot, but I'm glad I missed it. And like Brian said, if we, if, if people knew for nine years, that's what Tomlin was dealing with. He deserves the coach of the decade award to keep that on a lid, to keep the keep, keep a lid on that as long as he did. So, but yeah, he's probably done. I keep thinking about the biggie line, never get high on your own supply. And his supply was his ego. And um, it's a catch 22 because in order to be successful at that level, your ego's got to be massive to be one of the all time greats because based on the numbers, he's Hall of Fame. But at the same time, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I understand your frustration. I understand, you know, you know, disagreements, arguments, you know, differences of management. Um, But dude has never been professional 
in in any way. So Brian, to your point, you know, the talent superseded it until the headache became too great. I mean, it's the reason why T.O. played for like six teams. Because, oh, T.O. trying to get on the Buccaneers. You didn't hear? Yeah, I saw that. That he wants to he wants to come out of retirement and catch balls from Tom Brady. But this dude's almost fifty. Yeah, well, and don't get me wrong. T.O. reminds me of Evander Holyfield. Like, Holyfield is like 60 now, like almost 60. That guy takes his shirt off and looks in the mirror and says, yeah, I can still box, and then gets in the ring, and it's like, bro, it's over. And it, it was over 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure T.O. could still run some routes and whatnot, but eh, come on, man. You 48? Like, come on, man. And, and, and at 48, you likely to say what you want to say because you're a grown man with nothing to lose. You made your money like, you know, how football teams are. But no, like no, I said, they're going to sign Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, wow. You heard. Here are first. you breaking news right now? Are you Adam Schefter? What? Are you breaking news right now? You think, like, think, you think he's going to leave? I don't think he's Who do you leave. know? Who do you know, Smokey? Who do I know? Yeah, really? Uh, you are breaking well, news like your name is Adam Schefter. You know, you know my Arizona oh, ties, you know, but um, but it makes sense. I mean, think about it. I mean, apparently he still keeps himself in shape. He played for Arians. He doesn't have a ring. And then he, he knows the offense. And he knows the offense. Yeah, that's right. That one time he could have gotten a yeah. That one time he could have gotten a ring. James Harrison ruined that for him. If I, it, yeah, and, that makes and, a lot of sense. It makes a lot. And of And he already co-hosts. A, uh, he already co-hosts a show with Tom Brady every week. Also, you know what? He already in his ear. yeah, yeah. That's. You know what, Larry? Go get you a ring, man. Go ring. And not even that. We're talking about he's got to play because they're not going to get. They don't have the one seed. So we're talking about Larry. If we if we run the table, four football games. Do you have four football games in you? Got the highest level possible. Mm -hmm. Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Damn. Shit. I ain't thought about that. Just for parting ways, though, I mean, if y'all really want to get an insight on AB in his uh, in his mind, he did drop a track on Spotify a couple hours after. Stop it. Stop it. And that's where we end. That's where we end right here. We're not about to plug that bullshit. So with hey, that, you might need the listens. You might need it. You never know. Uh, the hell with that. I can't support that bullshit. So with that, you guys, thank you guys for, for jumping on here. Um, I thought it would be good to sort of recap uh, the last year and the the shit show that was and the shit show that's coming. So, um, it is the roaring twenties for a reason. Exactly. Oh, don't do that shit. What? Um, so <laughs> that being said, please, what, uh, some gaspy shit? like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> please on. Rate and subscribe to the pod and, you know, give us feedback on the pod. Uh, if you like it, if you didn't like it, email the pod at tall, tatted and educated at gmail.com. So with that again, Brian, Denise, thank you guys for jumping on. Appreciate it. Um, and we'll do this again real soon. Yeah, I guess my fan mail over to Dennis, please. Thank you. I also want to say, I guess this is the Roaring Twenties. I guess we got to get our zoot suits ready. Absolutely, let's do this. I got, yeah, I got a swingers dress in my closet right now. The last thing I'm gonna say about this bullshit topic about the swinging (laughs) twenties is that is that. It was in the 20s when we started having conversations about banning marijuana. And if you understand, go look up your history about why marijuana is banned. It's fucking stupid now. Given it is. The last, well, when you understand, if you think about where the country was, where it's come to, and then the reason why marijuana is illegal, you're going to be like, this is the dumbest fucking shit. And again, 
I'm not a huge marijuana person. I'm indifferent about it. If it's your thing, it's your thing. It's whatever. But the science is pretty clear. There's real benefit to it. But it, just go look that up if you Dennis want is just basically plugging a Dennis is plugging a, a later episode with with me and him regarding this. That's all, <laughs> he is. That's, all that's all he's doing. He's just plugging it. So you know, we'll, test it the, we'll test it and see if the people want to hear it. And on that there note, you thank you guys for jumping on. Appreciate it. We'll do this again soon. Bye. Bye.